Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we have a distinct privilege of speaking with one of my mentors in apologetics. Uh, He's written over 50-plus books, and uh, some of my favorites have been I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, as well as the Baker Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics, Chosen But Free, and the four-volume set, Systematic Theology. And on the show today is none other than uh, Dr. Norman Geisler. Dr. Geisler, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. I wanted to um, inform our listeners about a book that you wrote some years back called Unshakable Foundations. Mm -hmm. And if you could just explain to us what motivated you to write this book uh, dealing with some of the basic uh, apologetic things that we ought to be aware of? Well, it is, as you say, an apologetics book. It's also a worldview uh, book, and it gives the foundations for our knowledge in every area of life. So it's a total worldview uh, perspective. It gives the foundation and in logic for thought, it gives the foundation for ethics and moral absolutes and so on. So, Dr. Geisler, um, I took your class, and I thank you for being a great teacher in seminary. Um, and one of the things you talked about was truth. Uh, we're living in an age where uh, relativity seems to run supreme. If you could uh, explain to our listeners how you define truth. Well, truth is what corresponds with the facts. What corresponds with reality? Uh, if I say uh, I'm sitting at a table, the statement is true because there is actually a table there to which the statement corresponds. So truth is nothing more or less than uh, statements that refer to a reality which is actually there. Excellent. I appreciate that. And you also uh, uh, told us that truth was telling something like it is. That's it. The truth is telling it like it is in everyday language. Thank you. And then there's this word uh, which we find in the book, and I wanted you to talk about this word because when you're dealing with um, different individuals, especially inside the church, they have a problem with Christians using logic. Can you tell us what logic is and why it's important for Christians to uh, utilize it? Yeah, logic is just clear thinking. Logic is uh, thinking correctly, and uh, Christians of all people should want to think correctly. Uh, Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. First Peter 3.15 says, Give a reason for the hope that's in you. So logic is part of the nature of God. God is a, is a rational being. He's a logical being. He's consistent. He can't deny himself. Uh, and so... Uh, when we think uh, logically and clearly, we're thinking God's thoughts after him. It's actually a godly thing to do. 
I appreciate that. And one one of the things that I've heard uh, is some people try to reserve the use of logic uh, just for the Greeks. So uh, they would argue that uh, logic is something that Aristotle created and is secular and we shouldn't engage in it. But from what you're telling us, uh, it is something that God endorsed. It comes from the very character of God. God is logical. God is consistent. He's non-contradictory. Um, so it didn't come from the Greeks any more than the law of gravity came from Sir Isaac Newton. Right. <laughs> and in the book, you talked about worldviews. What are what is a worldview, and why should we be concerned with uh, a person's worldview? A worldview is a, a way of looking at the total uh, world. It's uh, like a pair of of colored glasses, uh, it tints everything you uh, look at, and there are different worldviews, just like you could have different colored glasses on. So it's very important that we have the correct worldview, which is a theistic worldview, that there is a God who created the world. So that's why we deal uh, with it in a worldview book like uh, Unshakable Foundations. Thank you. And then you talked about faith and science. And I know there are uh, some uh, who believe, uh, like Richard Dawkins, that uh, faith and science or religion and science need to be completely divorced. And in this book, you made some statements that I think would be beneficial to the uh, listeners. Can you elaborate on uh, the uh, Christian's perspective in terms of faith and science? Well, you might want to narrow it down to what aspect you're thinking about just in general, uh uh, in general, faith. Uh, yeah, well, Christians. Uh, God has two revelations of Himself: one in Scripture and and one in nature. And science is part of God's revelation in nature. So it's just another way God has revealed Himself. He's revealed Himself to believers in in Scripture, and He's revealed Himself to all men in nature, so that no one can uh, be uh, have an excuse. That everyone is without excuse. Romans one. 19 and 20. Thank you. And what is the causality principle that you talked about, uh, and can we trust the arguments uh, that's, that's used to support it? The causality principle is that every event has a cause. Everything that begins has a beginner. Everything that's uh, finite has a, a cause that produced it. So we can use that to show that God exists, because if er- everything that has a beginning has a beginner, and the universe had a beginning, which we know from science, the second law of thermodynamics, the universe is running down, that it can't be eternal. If it's not eternal, it had a beginning, and with the causality principle, uh, that proves God, because if everything that begins had a beginner, and the universe began, then the universe must have had a, a cause, namely God. Thank you for that. And is that also similar to the analogy that some use in terms of the domino effect? Yeah, the, um, you, you can't have an eternal uh, series of uh, dominoes. There has to be a first cause. First of all, you can't have a, an infinite number of anything because you could always add one more, and you can't have more than an infinite. So we must get back to a, a beginner, a first cause. Somebody has to push first domino, uh, and you can have a chain of causes after that, but you have to have a first cause to get the causality going. Excellent. Um, Really appreciate this information. 
the other question I wanted to ask you, which is tied into the previous question, is um, we talk about God and God, um, God's aseity. Now, can you elaborate on how God can be self-existent? Yes. Um, either uh, let's start with the world. Either the world is self-caused, uncaused, or caused by another. There's only three alternatives. Well, the world can't be self-caused because that's a contradiction. You can't lift yourself by your own bootstrap. You can't cause yourself to exist. Uh, causes prior to its effect, and you can't be prior to yourself. Uh, or the world could be uh, um, uncaused, but the world is not uncaused because it had a beginning, and everything has a beginning has a cause. Therefore, there must be a first uncaused cause of the world uh, that exists, and that uncaused cause must be either self-caused, uncaused, or caused by another. It can't be caused by another because it's first. There's no one beyond it. It can't be self-caused because that's contradictory. So it must be self-caused. Uh, it must be uncaused. Uh, it had no cause. It was always there. Just as atheists used to say, the universe was always there and didn't need a cause. Uh, we say God was always there and didn't need a cause. Uh, they were wrong because the universe had a beginning and it needs a cause, but God didn't have a beginning, so he doesn't need a cause. Thank you so much. And in the book and also even when I sat in your class, you uh, used the acronym SURGE. And yes. can you touch a little bit on this acronym SURGE? Yeah, the evidence that the universe had a beginning uh, can be put in acrostic form of surge, you know, the second law of thermodynamics for the for the S. The universe is running out of usable energy, therefore it has a beginning. Uh, the uh, uh, the R. The, the what? The R. The U. The U uh, uh, stands for uh, uh, the. I forget what the U stands for right now. Um, the U stands for. Uh, uh, forget we've used different things for that. But anyway, the uh, uh, the uh, universe had uh, uh, a um, uh, unlimited amount of, uh, uh, of energy that was created at the beginning, and they uh, they look uh, uh, for the expanding universe. I guess the U stands for universe expanding. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the the fact that the universe is expanding shows that it must have uh, been at one point to begin with contracted because if you put the motion picture of the universe in reverse, it contracts to no space, no time, and no no matter. Uh, then there is a radiation echo, R, that uh, there's a uh, microwave radiation being given off from the entire universe, just like when you turn your TV off in a dark room, still glows, or there's still a glow being given off from the universe. And the wavelength of that is exactly the same as the wavelength you would have in a gigantic explosion. And then the G says, uh, is uh, I use for general relativity. Wherever you have space, you have time. If uh, space began, then time must have begun, and the universe couldn't be eternal. Einstein's general theory of relativity. And, uh, and, uh, and E... Uh, the, uh, I forget what uh, E stands for now, uh, surge, uh, universe, eternal energy. 
I forget what it stands for, but the, all five of those uh, put together form a a coherent argument that says that the, the universe uh, had a beginning, it's running down, therefore there must be a God who didn't have a beginning and who is not running uh, down, but always existed. Thank you so much. And um, if, if I remember... Uh, there is also the uh, the the term galaxy seas. Is that correct? Yeah. And mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's a part of the fact that the, the universe is expanding um, and uh, things are getting farther apart. And uh, if it's expanding, it must have been the result of a big explosion, like you drop a bomb. Things uh, uh, expand and certain parts go farther than others and and then the sooner or later they they run out and they fall down anyway. So uh, uh, the universe is, is like a gigantic explosion with all of the parts of it expanding farther and farther. So, Dr. Geisler, um, from your re- years of research and uh, knowledge, uh, you would say that uh, in some ways science has corroborated what we've known all along as Christians in terms of the creation of the world. That's right. There's a good book by an agnostic, uh, Robert Jastrow. He's an agnostic scientist. But he ends the book by saying the best explanation for the origin of the universe is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, which is pretty good for an agnostic. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, here we have liberal theologians saying Genesis is allegorical, and you have agnostic astronomers saying it's literal. (laughs) Thank you. And um, the the next thing I want to talk about, and I realize that uh, we don't have a lot of time to spend on it, but uh, I, I thought it's important to highlight it because it is in the book, Unshakable Foundation. Uh, and you dealt with the uh, issue of evil and did God create evil. Can you touch on that, please? Yes, uh, th- that's one of the great mysteries and problems uh, uh, that every system has to face, not just Christianity, because everybody has to deal with evil. Where did it come from? Was it eternal? Did it have a beginning? How can evil arise from good? And the problem is, uh, if God created everything, uh, and evil is something, then God must have created evil. Right. And the uh, answer to that is that evil is not a thing. Mm-hmm. So God created everything, but everything is good. Evil is a corruption um, or a... Uh, erosion of a good thing. So God created the good apple, but uh, it became rotten. Uh, and evil is like rottenness to an apple, or it's like rot to a tree. It doesn't exist in itself. You never see something that's pure rottenness uh, or, or pure uh, rust. You know, you see a car with rust in it, but nothing is pure rust. So evil only exists in something else, like a parasite exists. God made only good things, uh, evil is not a thing, therefore God did not make evil. Evil is a, a privation, a corruption, an erosion of things that happened after God made it. You say, well, how, where did evil come from then? Evil came from free choice. God is good. God made Lucifer, uh, the original name of Satan, who became Satan after his fall. Uh, Lucifer had a good thing called free will. He used his free will to rebel against God. Evil is the result of a good thing, a free creature doing a bad thing with his good thing called free will. 
Thank you. And that that brings me to my next question, which is um, it's great because this this question actually highlights the book that you wrote uh, entitled Chosen But Free. And I, I really enjoyed that book because it's very balanced and it deals with uh, how God can be sovereign and human beings still have their free will. So can you can you uh, uh Articulate that for me. Can God be sovereign and human beings still have a legitimate free will? Sure. God knows everything, so he knows what you're going to do with your free will before you ever choose it. Uh, he knows the end from the beginning, Isaiah uh, 46.10 says, and he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, for whom he foreknew he predestined, Romans 8.29. So God knows everything from the beginning, and First Peter 1.2 says, we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. He mm. knows exactly how we're going to use our free will uh, before we ever do it. He knew that Judas would betray Christ. He didn't cause Judas to do it. His free will chose uh, to rebel against Christ and to betray Christ. But God knew that he would do it. Uh, so there is no contradiction in saying God knows, which means it's determined, and Judas freely did it, which means it's free. Because God knew for sure what Judas was going to freely do. So even with God knowing, uh, what you're saying is it's, it, it's, it's not, uh, his knowledge is not forcing us to do something outside of what we will to do. Just because you foresee something doesn't mean that you cause it. If you're in the third story of a building right by a railroad track and you see a car on the tracks and the train coming, you can foresee a crash, right? But you didn't cause the crash. You just foresaw it. That's a perfect analogy. Thank you. Uh, my next question is, uh, what is the nature uh, of Christian ethics? And the reason why I'm asking this is because uh, I really hadn't considered Christian ethics um, in, until I, I attended your class. And you were able to articulate the distinction between uh Christian ethics versus uh, teleological or worldly ethics. Can you explain that uh, for us? Yeah, um, one form of ethics uh, called utilitarianism, uh, or as you said, a worldly form, a humanistic form, is called utilitarianism, is that the uh, end, the result, determines the rules. Um, If you want to know what to do, just look at the results that have occurred from doing that, and then you, you can decide what you should do by looking at the results. The Christian ethic is, says that the rule determines the results. God gives you the rules, thou shalt not kill, uh, and you're to keep that, and it will have good results uh, if you don't kill, and bad results if you do kill. So the rule determines the results in Christian ethics, but in a utilitarian or humanistic ethics, the results determine the rules. Thank you. Uh, And for those who are listening who would like more information on Christian ethics, uh, Dr. Geisler also has a book on Christian ethics that uh, further delves into the different uh, uh, worldviews and different ethics concerning human conduct. Um, Dr. Geisler, should Christian ethics, in your estimation, be a part of the uh, teachings of every church? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. 
you know, God didn't put the Ten Commandments in the Bible for nothing. The Bible is just filled with ethical rules and principles that we were to live by. If you're going to be a biblical Christian, uh, you're going to have to know uh, ethics, God's ethics, what he considers right and wrong. And that's what ethics is, what's right and what's wrong. And it's the rules that God has set up that correspond to his nature, so they're not arbitrary. He didn't just choose, well, let's love everybody. We could have made hate the universal law, but we didn't. No, that's contrary to God's nature. So he made rules that are in accord with his nature that we're to live by if we're to be godly. Uh, be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Uh, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, Jesus said in Matthew 5. Thank you so much for uh, sharing these nuggets of wisdom, Dr. Geisler. Um, we, we're done with our questions for now, and I appreciate you carving out time in your busy schedule. To well, thank you. I'm glad to do it, and God bless you and your uh, ministry there as you uh, defend the faith once we're all given to the saints. Thank you, Dr. Geisler. I'll be in touch. Uh, bye-bye. Okay, bye. That was Dr. Norman Geisler. Uh, from uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary as well as Veritas Evangelical Seminary in California. Uh, For those of you who are interested in uh, learning more or being trained in sound doctrine and defending the faith, um, I can really endorse uh, Dr. Geisler and the two institutions that he's involved with, uh, that being Southern Evangelical Seminary of North Carolina as well as Veritas Evangelical Seminary, Uh, in Orange County. And of course, um, I also endorse uh, Biola University uh, via Talbot Seminary. And he talked about Unshakable Foundation. That's a perfect title for all of us that we stand boldly uh, for Jesus, that we uh, prepare ourselves to defend the faith, which was once deposited to all of the apostles. Uh, My desire and my hope is that everyone Uh, learn more about the faith that they espouse, which is Christianity, and be able to articulate what we believe and be able to defend what we believe. Have a blessed day, and may God continue to be with you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.